Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Because Money podcast. This is episode 25. That is the episode that follows 24. So uh, thanks for joining us here. Today, we're talking about budgeting. This is all about budgets. I think we're going to talk about three main areas. What's a budget good for? How do people budget? And why do people give up budgets? I am personally really good at giving up budgets, setting them, you know, the 70 line ones, and then just forgetting about it. So we're going to try and avoid that. So conversation is all about budgeting. If you've already got a budget, hey, great. Hope you enjoy the show. If you don't, you might learn a thing or two. So on to Rob. There we go. Well, you know, we wanted to talk about those broad areas of, like, why do you start a budget? And I think, you know, that a lot of it's, comes down to when you first start to take a good look at your finances, so whether that's because there was some um, kind of lifestyle change or something like that, like you got married or you had a kid or whatever, whatever's caused you to start looking at your finances, one of those first steps is, you know, well, I need to come up with a budget or, or how do I come up with that budget? And so, you know, you look at some of the basic tenets of personal finance and one of them is to obviously spend less than you earn. And, well, how do you do that? Well, you want to take a good look at, at your expenses and what's going out the door. And so I think we wanted to talk about, you know, there's so many different ways to track your expenses from apps like Mint uh, or paid software like uh, You Need a Budget or just a simple spreadsheet that you've kind of doctored up to fit your own unique circumstances and, and what works for you and then what doesn't. Like, um, you know, tracking your expenses in a spreadsheet seems really tedious to a lot of people. So, you know, it's that dreaded B word for the budget and they just don't want to do it. And, and so they, uh, you know, they'll do it for a few weeks or a month and then give it up. And so I think we just want to talk about, you know, what um, the different stages that people are at when they want to start a budget and how do we keep them going and what, what makes a successful budgeter. And uh, I guess I want to throw it over to Sandy. She was really excited about a, a budgeting episode and, and there's a lot of psychology behind it too, Sandy, isn't there? I think so. I mean, unless you're a real money nerd and you get excited about a spreadsheet just or, or a, you know, a, a software program or whatever, just by virtue of the fact that it's one of those things, uh, unless you're that special type of person, you are probably budgeting or trying to control how you spend your money or watch how you're spending your money. Those are all kind of different characteristics of budgeting for a reason. And so that reason might be you've just all of a sudden realized that it's important or maybe you're in, it starts to feel like a crisis, right? All of a sudden you feel like I just don't have enough money and I don't know what's happening. I think those are two of the main reasons people start. Um... But if you don't have a reason, a really compelling reason, and you're not a money nerd, chances are budgeting until you hit, until you've kind of trained yourself to whatever system, you found a system that works for you and you've trained yourself to use that system and modified it for your own needs, it's going to be a job that you don't want to do. So you have to keep your eye on, you have to figure out why you're budgeting in the first place. So why do you want to control the spending that you're I mean, in my case, we have a very narrow margin. We're a young family. We have a mortgage. We have pretty ambitious goals for our life. So we we want to make sure we're not spending more than we earn in kind of those subtle ways that people can do that. So for me, that's my my goal is is kind of I think probably one that a lot of people have 
but I'm also a money nerd, so what I use, I mean, I enjoy opening up Quicken, and I like all the other extra spreadsheets that I have. So to me, it's not a big job. Like, I don't know, uh, Rob, are you a money nerd? I mean, you, obviously you talk about money all the time. Are you a money nerd? <laughs> I'm a money nerd, and I, uh, I do, I have my own spreadsheet, and I've got, you know, 70 different categories to uh, track expenses, and, and what I found was was actually really interesting was as our family situation changed, so... Um, you know, in 2009, I got a new, I, tra I changed careers, so I moved from, you know, a bi-weekly pay to a monthly pay and all the different deductions that come from a different employer, and we had a baby, our first child, and so my wife was on maternity leave, and then the next year she decided, uh, well, we decided we were going to stay, be a one-income family, and she was going to stay home full-time, and so there's another change, and so tracking all that is really interesting to me anyways to find all the different changes in your income and... Uh, and expenses and just as a way to stay on top of it it wasn't so much like I think people start budgeting in the beginning to track their expenses and stop or find the money leaks so I spend an extra hundred dollars a month on coffee or magazines or whatever and um, for me it became beyond just tracking where the money was going but it was all about planning so uh, you know maternity benefits are going to run out in six months what are we going to do and so I, I use it as a way to forecast those income, uh, that income and expenses, so that I have a spending plan for the next year or you know 12 to 18 months. And so that's where budgeting has become useful to me, where it's it's evolved beyond simply just tracking my expenses and looking backwards. It's become way more forward thinking. You know, uh, even in terms of like. You know, come July or August, I'll stop paying into CPP because, or I'll stop making those contributions because that's run out. So that's extra income, and then what am I going to do with it? Well, how am I going to allocate it? And so it's very forward thinking now, which I think that uh, is a natural evolution, and I think that can become a little more exciting for people than just to look back and say, "Oh, I'm going to enter all these receipts I, you know, after my trip to the liquor store and Safeway and and Starbucks." Well, that's that was it for me. I mean, when I started budgeting, I just found it a tedious experiment in tracking crap that I was spending money on. Like, for real, like, it's like, I don't want 70 line items because I don't want to know that I spent $180 on castle upgrades on Clash of Clans, you know, or I spent $800 on diapers. These are not things that I wanted to know I spent my money on. But, you know, so I guess if I could summarize where what, what you guys are saying about what a budget is good for um, it's good to initially track your spending history like where's my money going kind of if you do have that gap or that that leak in your plan it's like kind of tough to make ends meet it's a budget is good to, to kind of track your your spending but then it's also good to project the cash flow right which, that's pretty accurate so, yeah although I would say that's kind of so Rob was talking a little bit more about slightly longer term one of the benefits to me of really good having a really kind of good knowledge of what's going to come in your account and what's going to go out is not just what how's that going to look six months to a year from now. It's I am standing at the grocery store right now and I know that we need to buy diapers and I have this long list of things I'd like to buy. Do I have enough money? Like especially if you're spending out of kind of the same account. My mortgage is coming out on Friday. And I know I just I'm gonna deposit X Y Z on Thursday. So does that mean subtract the two, carry by one? Okay, so I can buy the diapers, but I can't buy the prime rib. Do you know what I mean? Like if people, it gives people limits that are predetermined, 
and it allows you to not go into overdraft or not act, not kind of have to put the grocery bill on the MasterCard because the mortgage payment came out on Monday and you forgot. Um, so to me, it's that really short-term cash flow planning as well that is really useful for people instead of just guessing. Yeah, and that's where okay. we were when we first started was really close to the edge, and um, you know we would end up we would end up I would say exactly that, Sandy. Like the the sorry, I got another phone ringing. <laughs> Um, 17 different phones are ringing in your background. Yeah, someone really wants to get a hold of us. Anyways, the um, uh, we would have come right to the edge of our finances, so exactly that. It was a question of, you know, the mortgage is coming out tomorrow and we need to buy, you know, milk or whatever it is today. And so it helped us kind of forecast that. And, um, you know, it, it was really on that month-to-month -month or even week-to-week type of financing where now like I said it's we have ourselves a, a buffer now where there's you know there's money in the checking account so you know if you forget your credit card at home or you um, you know you forget a payment or whatever then then you're, you're still covered that way but you, there was no room for error back when, when I first started mm -hmm. and so it was really useful and I think that's the thing that when people talk about um, tracking every one of their transactions and oh my god like 70 line items and oh my goodness I think after a while, that's really good for getting a handle on how you spend your money. Um, but I think after a while, just as you said, once you get used to it, once you kind of build up those kind of, I don't know, spending muscles or budgeting muscles, when you get when you mature into your budgeting journey, let's say, um, then you, I don't think you have to necessarily say, okay, well, I have $24 for entertainment this month, and I have... $10 for clothes because I don't spend that much, so I annualize that and really I spend $120 or whatever, it can become, okay, so I know my fixed expenses are covered because they're this amount of money, and then I'm going to give myself this amount between now and next, you know, the 15th of the month, and that's going to be for everything else. I don't think you always have to. As a beginner, I think it's easy to look forward and say, I'm going to have to track every time I spend money on coffee for the rest of my life. I think that's the first step and then you hope that you mature into other things. Well, I can, I can speak on personal experience that until I started tracking my money, I had no idea where it went, and I was off by hundreds of dollars. Like my, you know, when you make good money, money comes in and you just spend good money, and you just, you always seem to spend what you make, or a little bit more if you've got access to credit, and you're not tracking it. So, okay, so we've talked about what a budget is good for. Um, how, how do you budget? Because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of material out there. There's a lot of information that says, you know, I mean, if you're with Gail Vaz, whatever her name is, you're putting your money in jars. And you're a complete tool bag if you don't put your money in jars. And, I mean, obviously there's programs, like Rob mentioned, like Mint or, you know, Sandy Speaks Fluent Spreadsheet. Um, personally, <laughs> no. But, you know, like what, what are some of the, the ways on how people can budget? Rob, over to you. Well, I think Mint kind of speaks to... Um people in your situation, Jackson, where you, you just think, oh, I don't want to track every single uh, time I swipe my debit card or credit card. So Mint takes that, you know, takes that away from you and then it will print you or, you know, show you a pretty graph or pie chart to, uh, you know, show you where your money, where your money's going and in which categories. And so I think that appeals to a lot of people who don't want to sit in front of the, in front of their spreadsheet and enter in their receipts. And um, 
you know, so I think that can capture a lot of that that um, first-time budgeter who needs to track their spending and find out where the money is going. And uh, but there are issues with with Mint, and I don't know how much in detail we want to get into that. Sandy, maybe you can talk a little bit about Mint and why it might not be a good idea. Well, most banks have that as part of their standard banking agreement that if you give your information to a third party, they won't cover you in the case of fraud. I've yet to see, and I asked this question on Reddit. Now, this is a few, quite a few months back. I've yet to hear of a case, and I would love to hear of one, of one where somebody claimed for, you know, unauthorized access to their bank account. Somebody got access and took money out of it or whatever. I've yet to see a case where a bank specifically asked, do you use a serv an aggregator like Mint? And if so, we're not going to cover that claim. Yeah, I haven't so, heard of that either. No. Although, so you hear that all the time, like don't don't use Mint because the banks then, they, you know, they won't agree, they won't cover that agreement. But so I don't want to say poo poo. I mean, Mint has a weakness. Mint is really good for um, kind of knowing where your money went and then using that data to 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 project forward in longer term increments. It's not very good for telling you can you buy diapers this week or instead of you know or you're going to bounce the mortgage payment. So that's a, that's a weakness for Mint, I think. Right, and so you mentioned Quicken. Is that the is that the program you use personally? I use Quicken. It's really bookkeeping oriented. So you have to balance between your accounts. You kind of you reconcile your statements at the end of the month. It's for people who like debits and credits and those sorts of things. So, but I like. I mean, at sixty five dollars, I bought twenty. Quick in 2014, I think, is the last one that I bought. It was $65. I think it's worth it. Like one time or an yeah, annual it was a one subscription? Time. No, it's not an annual subscription. You don't have to update it. I mean, they they um, uh, they will like upgrade new features, obviously, just like any other software, but you don't have to keep buying the new version every year. Right. Nice. So what about cash in jars? What if you what forget you your jar? What, what, what do you think... <laughs> Cash in jars, money in envelopes, you know, sewing an extra pocket in your jeans for that money. What do you think about cash, dealing in cash? Uh, when we first started, when Seth and I first started budgeting, it was a life event. We had our first daughter. Um, and I remember we, we used cash for all of the things that weren't fixed payments. So any groceries, gas, anything like that was cash. And we withdrew a certain amount every week, and that was it. That's all we had. And because that was it, it coincided with when we were first budgeting. It made sense. It worked really well for us because it gave us a really good limit. Obviously, if you're holding cash and you, it's it's true. It's that psychological aspect. I I believe all those studies I've experienced in my own life. Cash. It's harder to part with cash. The problem is. And this maybe just feels like poor planning. After a while, you do that for a while, you feel like you're you should be able to graduate in some way. Because I can't tell you the number of times I was driving home from Huntsville and I need to stop because oh we need to pick up diapers and you're gonna pick up the girl from daycare or else it's gonna cost us five dollars a minute and and I don't have my cash because you have it. Like cash for couples is a tough proposition if you have very narrow margins. So it's not that it's a bad idea, it's that logistically it can be a bit of a nightmare. Right, and when you're living close to the edge financially, I think uh, it's a double-edged sword there, right? Because you'll have the cash so that you know exactly, like, I can't go do anything frivolous here with this because, like, I, like you said, you know, you've got to eat tomorrow. And, um, you know, so, so you've got that. But 
at the same, you know, so it's good in that way, but at the same time, like you said, it can be very challenging logistically from a couple perspective or just, you know, I don't have my jar with me or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, it can be very challenging. And so I see cash as very limiting. Like, you know, if you're living close to the edge financially and you're first getting started, I think it's a fine system and it'll help you really kind of get a handle on, you know, what you spend every month. But, um, you know, eventually you're going to need, you, you need to work, some, something needs to happen so that you can work a little more, you can simplify things. And yeah. so that's where, you know, w once you have that, say, that $1,500 buffer in your checking account or whatever, you've got that small emergency fund where things aren't so tight and you've developed your, like you said, your frugality muscles, um, then it, you know, then, you know, does your budget allow for a little bit of overspending in certain categories? And that's where you want to become a little more flexible and not so, you know, militaristic, I guess, with your, with the categories that you have. You know, and I found a good compromise between carrying cash around in whatever you have, and you know, they, they sell little special envelopes that you can, like, divvy up your cash with. I think a good compromise is actually a spending account. So that's, we've, obviously, we're going to air all the dirty laundry. That's what we have now. Is it's one account that has the discretionary spending money in it. We put new money into it every, now it's every 15 days. Um, but that's the amount of money. So that it still has that limit. You can't go above it because it doesn't have overdraft on it or anything. It's a debit card. It doesn't cost any in transact, you know, extra transactions or anything. But that, so uh, obviously we just have the cards. It's not like you have to carry your little jar around. So I found that to be a nice compromise because there are still, I mean, we still want to keep, we're still, we're living on the edge. We have a very tight margin. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what, when you meet, when you're, even when you're meeting your savings goals, you know, 10% off your paycheck going to your RSP or your tax-free savings account, it still leaves very little margin for error. And when I talk about, mm -hmm. you know, we budget and we look very, we're very forward-thinking with our budgeting, that's because I'm planning for every dollar spent. And, yeah. and spent could mean saved as well. Yeah, and so exactly. so there's very little room left still for just frivolous expenses. So we are, I guess, still very, very close to the edge in terms of, um, you know, our monthly cash flow, and that's because everything, every penny, I guess, has been allocated in some respect, um, yeah. whether that means saving or spending on groceries or, or the mortgage. So, and I think, though, I'm, I'm going to steal Jackson's thunder, I think that's probably a reason why people give up, is that they haven't got a system that really works yet. They tried jars, and they left the jar at home, or, you know, they used, they wanted to use a credit card for points, and then they overspent, and that was a problem. Whatever that is, I think people have the perception that you just you do you, whatever system you've landed on that's going to work for you, and if it doesn't, it's because budgeting is not you're not cut out for it or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or the idea of I think people when they sit down and they fill out those little spreadsheets. I mean, we have that in planning when we talk about what's your retirement spending going to be like, or whatever. They fill it all out, and everything's kind of a conveniently round number. And I think it's kind of all fictional when you first start. If you don't take the time to look back at how you have spent, it's sort of fictional. And then when you encounter real life, I think well, I have had this problem. It's not, I mean, I'm not on some big high pedestal, which I think is pretty obvious. Um, you, you feel like you failed in some way. Like, oh, all those made-up numbers that I know I made up, now they're obviously made up. Ugh, it's just too much work. I'm not going to keep going. It's a really big, it feels like a big mountain to climb to get to the point where you have accurate numbers and a system that works for you. 
Oh I yeah, think it's important to have the accurate numbers, right, Jackson? Like you, if, like you said, if you you didn't know where your money was going whatsoever, if you were just spending it, I guarantee one hundred percent of the people who have tracked their spending for thirty days can find a money leak where they said, "Whoa, like I didn't know we were spending that much on that," and and it can be helpful. And so I was going to throw this out to to the two of you and ask what what do you think of the people who say just save your ten percent. For retirement or or short-term goals, and spend the rest. What and and it doesn't matter where it goes from there. And I think that was even in the original wealthy barbers. You know, set your savings allocations and targets, and then spend the rest. And I don't care where it goes. I'm gonna jump in and just say, you know, personally. Y- that would not work for me. I mean, my the reason that I have had a really hard time with budgeting is because of lying to myself and compromise. Just I mean, you you say if you're setting fictitious rules, it's pretty easy to just break them. You know, for me, it's kind of even where I know where my money is spent. I like spending my money like that. You know, I I don't want a budget to tell me that I can't go have another coffee. You, screw you, budget. That's that's just the natural reaction. You just kind of feel like, who are you to tell me how I'm going to live my life? You know, and it's a budget. It's not going to talk back, but you kind of, you know, it's like it's like the whole, I kind of always thought dieting and budget are very, very similar. You know, it's kind of, you ever notice that people always start diets on a Monday? It's because they want to just absolutely crap out on the weekend and eat whatever they want, and then it's like, okay, Monday, well, I'm going to start this diet. It's like budgeting is the same over. thing. Everyone wants to start budgeting on a Monday because you've blown your money on the weekend. You know, you've gone to the casino, whatever you do. But I, it's the emotional for me, and it's the lying to yourself. It's budgets give you accountability where you've gotten on otherwise, and I think it's just that it's a it's an ugly cycle of don't tell me what to do and. Yeah, I mean, so why do people give it up? Probably because it's not emotionally satisfying, unless, of course, you can find ways to make it emotionally satisfying. I've actually been using FreshBooks for my business accounting, and I've been keeping really diligent track of my receipts, which is just not necessarily like me. Sandy's loving it. Sandy's been working with me for about a year now to try and get me to do things properly. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually tracking them. I'm getting excited about putting numbers in because it gives me the nice little pie chart and I can see it and it goes, yay, you're doing this. You made money. I like it when I make money. And I like it when I can minus my expenses and I've still made money. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's getting emotionally invested in the process where you're not just hating life because your budget's telling you what to do. Hmm. I like the point you made about... uh, Sorry, go ahead, Sandy. No, not you. Well, I was just going to say I like the point you made about the dieting and the the Monday, and so it's going to lead into, in a couple of weeks here, New Year's resolutions, right? And so (laughs) what are some of the New Year's resolutions you'll always hear? I'm going to quit smoking in the new year. I'm going to start my diet in the new year. I'm going to go to the gym in the new year, and I'm going to start taking my finances seriously in the new year and you know so so again you're in January you're gonna have all these people okay well where do I start I'm gonna start tracking my spending and then oh man this is really boring or tedious and I'm gonna go back to my old habits so how do we get how how do you get kinda hooked on budgeting I guess and I don't know Sandy you taught you talk to your clients about tracking their their spending how did you get Jackson to start using fresh books and track his business receipts I'm going to give you the five-finger rule. I, I totally lifted this from my father. Anyways, 
the first thing you want is clarity. So what exactly are you spending your money on, obviously. And then over here, then you kind of skip to the end and you go to outcome. What outcome are you looking for? Do you really want to control your spending? Frankly, a lot of people don't. They want to feel like they are, but they also want to feel like they can spend whatever they want. So after you talk about your outcomes and what's actually happening, you take ownership. So you actually say, if, if I want this outcome and I, ha I start with these beginning circumstances, I have to own what comes next. Once you own it, you set up a system. And once you set up a system, you watch that system and you adjust it to make sure that you're on course or it's not working for you and you do something else. And you always have to jump between all of them. You always have to keep, keep keeping clarity, keep taking ownership, keep working with your system, keep adjusting if it needs to, and keep your eye on the outcome. There's my five-finger rule. I like that. And so once you, start, <laughs> and once, you, once you do, I guess, take take ownership of it, or I guess you, you, you convince yourself that you do want to change, um, you know, what, like what are, some of the, what are some of the tips you can give to actually take, so say, uh, say you start tracking your spending because you do want to get a handle on your finances, you do like spending on certain things, others you could live without, mm -hmm. what is the next step to actually putting your budget or your, or your spending summary into action that's going to help you. And so is that just about choices? Is that about saying, I'm okay with this, but I am going to spend my money building whatever you said, Jackson, on Minecraft or whatever you're playing? Oh, yeah, Clash of Clans. Yeah, you can waste a lot of money. I mean, in-app purchases are a $15 billion industry. I read that somewhere. Whether or not that's true. I mean, I don't let facts get in the way of a good story. But anyway, sorry. And, and I find it in my own situation where I would get... You know, so I'm doing the budgeting and I'm looking because I'm the money nerd and I'm doing the spreadsheet. And so I'd find myself getting upset that we were spending our money on, oh, why do we need that home decor item? Because I don't care about that. So, um, but my wife does care about it. And so, but then she'll say, well, you know, why did you buy that case of beer? Like it's the same, to me, it's, it's not a big deal. And to her, that purchase wasn't a big deal. So where do you find that common ground, I guess, to say, well, these are the things that we've agreed upon. I guess that's just about sitting down and making those goals together. Yeah, I mean, couple money is a, almost a whole other ball of wax because if if I am really into the money, if I take ownership and everything's clear and I have a desired outcome, boy, what's going to happen if my spouse doesn't? And that, so always, I mean, I, saw, I remember seeing a thread like that on Reddit, again, not too long ago about a husband saying, I'm trying to get my wife to budget and she just won't. Well, you can't. So if you're both on the same page, if you both want to take control and it's just a question of how are we going to negotiate the amount of discretionary spending that we have between each other, um, that's a pretty simple answer. If it's if, if you, neither one of you, or only one of you wants to budget, then you're really into the complicated stuff. But budgeting isn't an end to itself. It's not like you're going to win a game if at the end of the month you only spent $17.50 on, on discretionary items and everything else, and you saved all the rest of your money. There has to be some kind of balance between how you want to spend your money now, and as a couple, how you want to spend your money, and how you want to spend your money later. But I can't tell you what that balance is. <laughs> well, it's very interesting on this, on the, like going back to the psychology of it, and I, rem I remember reading uh, something by Carl Richards about, and that's the sketch guy, or the behavior gap, 
author, and he said, you know, my, my wife is into interior design, and she, whenever she started talking about this great kitchen that she saw or this picture that she found in a magazine, I'd find myself naturally getting, getting upset and getting my back up about, oh, she's going to want to renovate the kitchen and whatever, and, you know, finally his wife just said, you know, look, I'm just, we're just talking about something cool that I saw, and it doesn't have to be about, you know, spending. And that's so I, I guess it could be, uh, it is a tough balance as when it's a couple money, um, especially if one person is kind of doing most of the, the budgeting or the tracking, is making sure you're on the same page. Yeah. Because you never want it to be, I think almost every couple that I've ever worked with with money, they have, if they don't, if they've never if they've never really done that work together before, they have a perception of how the other person spends money that may or may not, in fact, line up with reality and might be clouded much more by their perception of, you know, how often that person folds the laundry or does all the other stuff, right? I ha I mean, I've had that situations where one one couple one member of the couple will say, "Can you make sure to let him know that he's spending way more than I am." And that's not even the case. You know what I mean? So if you don't, if you're not going to be clear about that together, um, yeah, I don't think you're going to get very far in lots of ways. So, in in your and you've been doing the fee only planning for a couple of years now. And how many, like, what percentage of your clients would you say before they contacted you were tracking their or were budget were using a budget? Um, I would say. Oh, like really actually or say that they do? Well, not giving you the round numbers like... Oh, yeah. Oh, I would say the people that... Um, I would say that's about 60% of my clients have never really used anything except for round numbers and about 40% know exactly how they spend their money and like down to the... Like my after tax is this and I put this into CPP and like in May or June I'll, I'm not going to be paying CPP anymore. <clears throat> Those people are, yeah, they're right on the ball. But it's it's a little bit less fun to work with them because then I don't get to dig into their money as much. And is that so? Is that the first place you go, or one of the first places you go? Always, always cash flow. To me, I mean, a financial plan it doesn't make much sense if, if it's not related to how you're going to go out and spend your money tomorrow. I mean, that's your finances. It just happens to be a really short-term part of your plan. And it's true when you when you finally like when you look at those numbers finally and say okay well what, again we go back to the basic tenets of personal finance and spending less than you bring in uh, and so that you can save for the future or save for your goals and well how do you know that if you're not you know I bring in five thousand dollars a month and I spend four thousand but unless you really do you really spend four thousand or you know is it is it closer to forty eight hundred dollars. Unless you really know that, it's hard to make those goals and say, well, okay, well, I'm going to put $500 a month into my RSP, but it, and then I'm going to set up a monthly contribution to do it so it's automatic off my paycheck, but then there's no money at the end of the month or I'm actually in overdraft because my, my goals were out of whack because I'm not really tracking my spending or, or have a good handle on my cash flow. Yeah, see, and it's the show your work principle. So let's go back to that question that you asked. So do you agree that if you just saved 10% or whatever, like I think the safe savings rate is 16.5%. If you save 16.5% of your income, um, and who cares how you spend the rest of it, 
Well, in a way, yes. I mean, if you are naturally the kind, I mean, the margins that you have allow you to save, or you're a naturally frugal person, like John Robertson was telling me, he, I asked him about this topic in an email, he said he's just naturally frugal. Um, it doesn't really matter how you kind of work the numbers, if in the end you're saving enough, and you're living okay, and you're not going into debt, well, you're doing something right. So does it matter if you know down to the penny how much you spent on you know, grapefruit last month? Probably not. But you, this is kind of a paradox in a way. You don't know that until you've actually gone to look at how much you spent on grapefruit last month. So, so for some people, you go through the process. It means you end up not changing very much. You're fine. And then you don't have to do it anymore. Or you make a few tweaks, and then you move on. That's not as many people as I think. I think fewer people are actually like that than believe they are like that. Right. There's a lot of people maybe that say, just I don't need to do that. And maybe they're just earning at a high enough rate that it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. that could be the case too, right? You know, you have two incomes and no kids at home, and, like, who cares really? Like, at the end of the day, you don't have any debts, and you're, you know, you bring in $10,000 a month, and you spend think you spend 2500 maybe it's 3000 it doesn't really matter Who because cares? you know it doesn't really matter so yeah. like you talked about your the, the jars and the cash flow and and we talked about you know people who just start out and and they need to track track their spending and find those money leaks and then you kind of move on to maybe more a little more forward thinking okay well how can i put this plan into action and and you know i'm spending too much here so what does that mean and and if i cut back where can i allocate that money so, what's the next step? Do you gra do you ever graduate to um, I don't need to do this anymore? Is that is that the end game for anyone? Um. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't have to. I mean, your mom just wrote an article not too long ago about how she doesn't really do that anymore. She doesn't budget really anymore. She looks at but so but she does. I mean, it just depends on what your what your time horizon is. So your mom budgets on an annual basis. Right. And other people, again, other people might be in such a groove of how, like John was saying that in his email too, I know how much I spend. It doesn't really vary. So I don't really need to go in and do the work because it's always going to be about the same. I mean, there's a piece of me that goes, well, what if something changes and you don't really notice until it's too late to make it, until it's too late to correct, right? That's always my big, but I don't think it, you don't know until you know. But I think you're right. Yes, you can graduate from it. And, you yes, may, and maybe the maybe the natural progression is you graduate from tracking every or the minutia of every single transaction to the penny to okay well I get that now and and I'm gonna I'm gonna make that kind of my my annual budget I'm gonna just know that you know I stop paying CPP contributions in May or June so I'm gonna have extra money what am I gonna do with it and I have house insurance I have to do do in August so I'm gonna make sure I have that money set aside. And it's those those things you're keeping an eye on, rather than I think I'm spending a little too much money on coffee this month. You know, I I'm gonna. Right. I think it's 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 basically it it becomes a discipline like anything else. You know, it's like karate. If you've got a white belt, you have to pay attention to every small detail. You have to pay attention to where you're going. Not that I know karate, but I mean, uh, if you're doing karate at a white belt level and you put a black belt right next to them, the black belt looks way better doing the exact same thing as the white belt. And it's because they've gone through the process. They've gone. They've graduated through the steps. So as long as you're, when you're starting out, you do have to know what you're doing. You have to pay attention. You have to learn 
about learning. You have to learn what it's like so that you can graduate into the spot where you're handling it at a mastery level, but that's because your experience dictates this is the history now. But if you don't have the history, you don't have the foundation, you'll never be in a spot where you're able to understand it at such a depth that you don't need to allocate so much time to it is what I think you're going for. That's an excellent analogy. It's, it's money muscle memory. There you go, like karate yes. and social media. I wrote a post called How Karate's Like Social Media. That's why I thought about that, but yeah. I remember that post. It's still an excellent analogy. So should we leave viewers with some tools? I mean, if you've never budgeted before, where where should you go? I mean, should you be downloading Mint to your phone, and, or should you? where can you find a spreadsheet to uh, start tracking your spending and, and projecting your income and expenses going forward? You know, what are some of the tools that we use? Um, I'm so old, and obviously I speak spreadsheet, but to me, the first tool that you want is the tool that you have in your bank transaction records. So find out how you spend that money. So that might be, I mean, Mint, you can download, I don't know, 9 to 13 months of yeah. those transactions. But it's really just right. all it's doing is pulling from your bank. So your bank has that. They have a statement of the money that you spent. Mm-hmm, uh, your credit card is another is another one where it's going to detail every transaction that you that you purchased, you know, for the month. Um, well, so why that, don't we so, do? Sorry, why don't we do what we did with the with the um, sensible students episode? Why don't we come up with a resource list? Well, and it's just I mean it could just be basic, right? Mint is here, YNAB is here. Here are a couple of different spreadsheets that we found, or a couple of books that walk you through it. Um, that might be useful to attach to this. Absolutely. Because you want to go, know where to go, and so is it just me making up my own spreadsheet and, and going along? Well, no, there's lots of free tools out there. There's paid software that can do it a little bit better, more in detail, and uh, we can absolutely list those and you know, give people you know, the options of where they can go. And I can yeah, speak I mean, from... Oh, sorry, Ted. I can speak from personal oh, experience go. and say... Just because somebody recommends something or something works for some someone doesn't mean it'll necessarily work for you. When I started budgeting, I kind of started on my own. I went, I looked, I found somebody's spreadsheet, and I looked at it and said, well, this is stupid. This is just stupid. I don't like this. And it was a couple days later when I realized, like I almost gave up budgeting entirely because somebody else's spreadsheet was stupid. But I think that's what we kind of get. People blog or they write and they, they say, this is what's worked for me. This is the only way you can possibly ever budget. That's what we read. When it's really more like, no, if you can read, learn about it, take one good action point. What works for you? Then learn more. Take another action point. What you know? It's not like you're ever gonna arrive. So just keep learning, keep working at it. And that's you know, I, I actually, Sandy, you're the one that kind of brought that to me. You gave me the spreadsheet. You kind of helped me look at stuff. And then it's like you didn't give me something that I had to do. You gave me some tools and helped me figure out what worked for me. And that was you know beneficial to me. And it's more of a process than it is a, an end game. Absolutely. Very well said. Wow, Jackson. Hey, I'm learning something. And it's certainly because I'm not there. Like it's still like it's funny. We're talking about budgeting, and I kind of feel like a bit of a you know imposter because I haven't nailed it. 
I'm really working at it. I'm trying to record stuff. I'm still finding, like, I feel like I'm kind of middle belt where I'm like, ooh, crap, that should not have happened. I should have seen that coming, but I'm learning for next time. It's, you know, yeah. got to make sure that I don't get messed over there again. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a process, and I'm figuring out my own game plan. And well, I think and that's one of the reasons why it's so exciting for me still, sorry, Sandy, is that uh, is that our expenses keep changing, like, every year because of new kid or, you know, change job or whatever, our, our expenses keep changing, and so... There's, we haven't reached that point where, you know, I'm I'm 50 years old and my expenses have been the same for 10 years, and so it's just automatic. It's not like that yet. So that's why I guess it's still exciting to track it and project it forward because it's always changing, and so I want to stay on top of it to see how it evolves. And I think that just exactly that point in Jackson's as well, I think that's the, the biggest reason people give up is that it changes or they just never, somebody else's system doesn't work for them and it's so frustrating because you just think it should. I think if people can power through that and accept the fact that mistakes are going to happen. I mean, you don't just start budgeting and then all of a sudden you're a black belt, right? Excellent analogy. So excellent. So if you don't forgive yourself for the mistakes and then move on and learn from them, I mean, that's just the life lesson anyway, but then you're, I mean, give up on budgeting now if you're just going to give up at the first sign of trouble. Don't bother. Don't bother starting. And with that, <laughs> with that word of encouragement, yeah. we're at. Don't, don't bother. That's it. That's that's what don't I want. Answer to write the uh, resource <laughs> list. So thanks for volunteering for that. And I'm gonna say good night. And uh, thanks everybody for 2014. It was uh, great uh, hanging out with you. And we'll be back in 2015 with, I guess, episode 26 of the Because Money podcast. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involved no ads or other sponsorship. Be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.